0: This week on The Zone of Truth, Griff and I review the 2022 Truly Holiday Seltzer Pack, chat about the party's brush with lesser death, and of course answer some listener questions, including some of our most often received ones. I'm your host, Steve, in the studio with your GM and my co-host Griffin. Roll a will save you're in the Zone of Truth. <laughs> we're back yeah we're back
1: one oh one shows back shows better than ever yeah we announced a lot of things in a hundred uh-huh now we're gonna answer a lot of questions that we never want to have to answer again yeah so let's actually get that out of the way i mean let's not do it now but
0: to clarify the intro we're doing basically the regular show but when we get to the listener question segment Depending on time, we may hit some standard listener questions that we got directly from one user or the other, but there are a slew of questions that we as a podcast group get all the time. And a lot of them are very specific to like maybe inside jokes that we have or things that have happened, or are you ever planning on doing this, that, or the other thing? And we're just getting it all on the table so we never have to answer them again.
1: Yes. And if you ask them again, we're just going to direct you towards this episode.
0: gonna shoot you a url directly to this episode go re-listen
1: to that you missed it so how are you doing griff i'm doing well yeah i'm really tired What's that uh i just completed my 34th hour of driving in the past month 34th hour of like non-work commute driving Mm. uh because i drove first drove thanksgiving to hilton head Mm -hmm. so like 10 and a half hours both ways and then drove to Philly for my buddy's wedding this past weekend. So over the course of three days, drove another fourteen hours. Mm-hmm. You know that on a wedding hangover was tough. So I'm still recovering this week. I feel like just because the weekend was not uh, not very restful. Yeah, when that's your Sunday, it's tough to catch back up from that during the week. Man, and I, you know, I had the issue where I was so wired from driving mm-hmm. that I was up till like one on sunday night so then like my sleep for monday was fucked and then i had redshift rally yesterday Mm -hmm. which went way later than Mm -hmm. we expected so you know we got off that stream past 11 here and i you as you do have that like post session adrenaline kind of so i got to sleep at like one again god man you gotta get some sleep yeah i'm running on very little sleep uh but I'll be okay. Which means it'll be good and punchy for this uh. Yeah, I'll be very punchy for this one.
0: Uh, as for me, didn't travel anywhere this past weekend. It was actually pretty chill. We had a community night on Friday, thanks to all who showed up. We watched a couple holiday classics. We yeah. watched uh, Holiday in Handcuffs. If you've seen that one, of mm-hmm. course.
1: And then the 1986 Babes in Toyland, which is a wild one. I don't know that I have seen Babes in Toyland. <sighs> I've seen the... We watched the Robin Williams toys. I know Ugh, that's not the same that's thing. A bad but time. <laughs> I remember that one distinctly when we think yeah.
0: of toys. Let me put this in your head: starring a very, very young Drew Barrymore and like a just older than a teenager Keanu Reeves, like in full Bill and Ted mode. It's a good time.
1: Oh, uh, so Drew Barrymore is like she's 10. like five. Oh, <laughs> yeah. she's, she's oh maybe not that
0: quick. She's between five and ten. She's super young. Yeah. So we did that on Friday. Total blast. And then I had the boys over, not the regular boys on the regular mainline show, like the Me, You, and Brooks boys. This is the Me, Eric, and Chris boys over on, uh, what's that, Saturday? And we watched a whole bunch of Christmas horror movies. Nice. We watched Await Further Instructions. We watched Better Watch Out. And something that I was going to talk about in my What Have You Been Up To, like, recommendations to the fan, The Ginger Dead Man.
1: The Ginger Dead Man. Yeah. I didn't know there were there were that many. There I kinda, are so I, when, many. When you think of it, I kind of think of like Black Christmas, mm-hmm. and like Krampus. I know came out like a yep. couple years ago. Was supposed to be holiday horror. Well, here's the thing. Eric passed over this list to me and Chris
0: as we're talking during the week of Hey, let's get together. Let's watch some scary movies. Oh, let's do Christmas scary movies. Yeah, and he passed over this list of 31 Christmas horror movies, and I'm like, that's way too much. And then I understood why because uh, Better watch out and await further instructions were Christmas movies in the sense that they took place around Christmas. Yeah, they like They're took not place like in the Christmas movies. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I did this weekend and. Now I'm just living my life, man. What have you been into? What's some stuff that you want to talk about for the fans?
1: Yeah, uh, Haley and I started getting back into New Girl, so what? we've been watching that again. We kind of watched it. I don't know that we ever like finished it. It wasn't for like lack of liking the show. I think the show's just kind of like episodic enough where we like fell off at some point and then we're lost mm-hmm. because it was maybe then not as episode. Like then we didn't get the joke later on. So we're watching that again, and um, while I was back in Philly, I went to this brewery called Imprint, and man, I was impressed with what they had there. They, really? Um, yeah, it's not actually Philly. It's about an geez, where were we? We were in uh, in Pennsylvania, a town called Lansdale, and so it's hour fifteen outside of Philly, but they had these like like super fruited sours called smoogies. they had a whole list of them and they had one that was like special that they had at the brewery that was called like all the sins or something and it it had like all of the flavors so it was like it was like if i don't know when i was a kid we called them suicides or Mm -hmm. whatever but everybody had a different name for them like when you mixed all the sodas together at the soda machine it was like that, but with smoothie sour, and, and it was how was it? Shockingly good! Wow! It was like that's, it,
0: that's always uh, such a a betrayal. It's like you you as a kid you think having a little bit of each soda is going to be incredible. It's not.
1: No, bad. No, but I think this worked really well because like Great. all of them are kind of a fruit or like a vanilla or a coconut or something. Mm-hmm. So it really just made it like a very flavorful fruit smoothie. Great. So that was really tasty, shockingly hardly tasted like a beer, Uh, really just did taste like a fruit smoothie. But then I bought this special edition thing they did. I bought it twice over. I bought seven of them to share Mm -hmm. and seven of them for me. They're 13.5% pastry stouts. Okay. Special release. I had two of them while I was there and they were fantastic, but they're each like a different flavor take and they're called the Seven Deadly Sins. So you have like Wrath, and you have Lust, and you have Gluttony. Uh, I think I had Wrath while I was there, which was really good. Is the one I was kind of talking about on the server that tasted almost like a chocolate chip banana nut muffin. And then Gluttony was like those Dove chocolates that are filled with raspberry. It tasted like <laughs> one of those. So they're all like wax sealed. They did a discount for the seven packs, so I bought two seven packs. Because nice. I got room in the truck to bring booze home. <laughs> I mean, yeah,
0: that's why you got the truck.
1: So I'll be those will probably be on the show sooner sooner than later. I'll be sharing those around. Alright, well I gotta try me a sip of that lust when you get it, yeah. I don't know what that's flavor good. lust is. I gotta check. Anyway, yeah, that sounds
0: awesome. Very glad to hear all of that. I got a couple things that I want to float past the listening audience. If y'all are looking for an action-packed wild good time, I would say check out the movie Bullet Train. It's on Netflix right now starring Brad Pitt. And it is, um, how do I describe it? I don't know. It's an action movie that has excellent choreography. Basically all takes place on a train. You know, I'm all about that. And it's kind of funny. I don't know. It's a really, really good time. Not a whole lot for me to say <laughs> besides that. Like Sometimes I get in the mood where I'm just like, I want to sit on my couch, veg out and watch an action movie that doesn't have almost anything below the surface and everything is right there on the screen and I don't need to use my brain. And when you want that, turn on bullet train and you won't be disappointed. Nice. It's great. Best kind of action movie, in my opinion. (laughs) I mean, yeah, you're right. Then on the other side of things, I'm going to recommend a podcast that I've been listening to. I have listened to almost all of season one of this podcast called Blowback. It is a podcast where two, I believe they're comedians, are talking about different things in relative recent American history. So the first season is this deep dive into our invasion of Iraq in 2003. And then I think the second season has something to do with Cuba. And then season three is about the Korean War i'm really enjoying it they tackle a lot of really tough subject material but the iraq war to me has always been something that existed for most of my life i feel like and i didn't really know much about it i just always kind of felt like when i was a kid it's like oh we're gonna go get the bad guys i I feel like it's
1: it's a real blind spot for people our age specifically because like it's right at the cusp of, like, we didn't learn anything about it in school. Mm-hmm. Not that that wouldn't have been tainted by, you know, United States education system bias versus what actually happened, but we didn't have any of that, but we grew up in it, and so we were kind of, like, too young for at least the first half of the war to really understand what the hell was going on, mm-hmm. or really remember that much of what, I mean, like, yeah, like I was eight when... Was I? Yeah, I was eight when 9 11 happened. So, like, you know, that, that, like, you know, from like eight to 12, that portion of the Iraq war, I like don't know at all. Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm in the exact same boat. And that's why
0: I've been really enjoying this podcast so much because there's a lot of stuff that I sort of remember, but this podcast does a really good of, a job of contextualizing it all and kind of rewiring my brain to understand why all of this stuff happened and they go back to like post-world war ii european intervention in the middle east and like what that did to all those developing countries and like how shitty things got and we made them way worse (laughs) so like it's really educational it's a little light because they're comedians they try to keep it a little bit of accessible but i've really been enjoying it and i've been learning a ton so i would check it out call blowback anyway We're back on our bullshit. Episode 101 of The Zone of Truth. We're reviewing some seltzers. It's Christmas time. We're doing the 2022 Truly Holiday Seltzer Pack. Now, I tried to find a Bud Light Seltzer Pack because they always have the wild flavors, but I guess they didn't do that one this year, so we're doing this one. Anyway, let's read some copy from the website. The holidays are here, and you know what that means. The in-laws are coming. Lucky for you, our holiday party pack packs enough festive flavor to turn even the most bland family gatherings into a full-blown, snowbound throwdown. Venka Slater.
1: Why would we thank you for that? Why <laughs> don't do you want to turn a holiday... The connotation here is that they're turning a holiday gathering into a fight with your in-laws. Yeah. I don't know. I love the copy.
0: It's bad good. Like, when I'm reading this, like, the holiday party pack packs enough festive flavor Like, I'm hitting a lot of the same consonants over and over. And it's also, you're right, a snowbound throwdown with my in-laws. I don't know what the fuck's going on there. But it's 5% ABV, 1 gram sugar, and 100 calories a pop. We got four flavors today. Two of which have been previously featured in Truly Holiday Seltzer Packs. uh, And I guess on this show, but we're doing them again. And then there are two brand new flavors. So, the ones we have heard before, Cran Orange Sparkler and Holiday Sangria Style. Newcomers are Berry Bramble Style. Not sure what that has to do with the holidays. And Pear Martini. Guess I also don't know what that has to do with the holidays. You might be wondering what got left off from last year. Spiked Apple Spice and Pomegranate Ginger Fizz. Dude, that's a huge
1: bummer. I I distinctly remember the pomegranate being like the best flavor from last year. Yeah, that's that's tough. I mean, we'll see if they can hit again, but I remember that being a really good flavor.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't remember hating anything from last year. I thought they were just kind of fine. We'll see what we think
1: this year. We'll see. Dude, I speaking of like weird copy. Uh huh. Like at work, I've had to be because it's like the end of kind of like Q three for most people's fiscal mm-hmm. calendar. I've been having to read through like investor relations okay documents because it's like part of like what I compile for the industry. <laughs> like a lot of these like finance people are just pulling straight from the like business mission statement thing in these statements to like talk about like what their company like, cause in all of those are like who our company is and like all that shit. It's always Mm -hmm. in every like quarterly review, but like one of our competitors just has this line that is like part of their mission statement that I'm just like, why it's like we are maniacally focused on fit. What the fuck? Like, why would you use the word maniacal there are so many other like non cartoon villain words to show that we are you know focused on fit yeah you can achieve that so many better ways what fucking marketing person was like you know what we're gonna be maniacally maniacal.
0: focused on fit we're gonna cackle to ourselves and steeple our fingers and Dr. <laughs> exactly.
1: Doom lab coats and <laughs> shit <laughs> I just, like, I can't believe some companies, like, what they, just what they decide, like, this is going to be us, or this is what we're going to, this is how we're
0: going to portray ourselves. Remind me, there's some copy I need to tell you about after this, because if I say it on air, I'll just dox myself. <laughs> but there's some wild shit I got to tell you. Anyway, um, how are we going to rate these seltzers? This is the Truly Christmas Carol scale. One is oh, Truly Bombed. That's a play on tannin Tannenbaum. <laughs> the next one is Lee Bells. It's a play on Silver Bells. And uh, in parentheses here, I have It's Seltzer Time on the podcast. Three out of five is Oh Come Truly Faithful. That's a play, of course, on Oh Come All Ye Faithful. We have Truly Having a Wonderful Christmas Time is number four, which is Simply Having a Wonderful Christmas Time. And of course, in the top slot, number five, All I Want for Christmas is Truly. Which, of course, is all I want for Christmas is you. Griff, you have to pronounce those the same way. <laughs> I, really force the buns in there.
1: No, I, I was so impressed by the scale. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading it yesterday because I was thinking about adding comments to the stuff we get asked a lot. I was like, oh my God, this scale is so good. <laughs> See,
0: yeah, this is my redemption arc after the uh, the 99 incident. Yeah,
1: yeah, you really, you really came back like a phoenix from the ashes <laughs> in that 99 <laughs> incident.
0: All right, man. Well, I know you've got the Cran Orange Sparkler right in front of you. You want to crack that open
1: and read the copy for me? Sure, I can. Cran Orange Sparkler is the one in the, I guess, yellowy orange can. It's not a winter holiday without some cranberries. Mix them with some oranges, combine that flavor in a can of truly, and What do you get? The perfect fireside drink.
0: I believe there is a little slogan on the can if you want to read that too.
1: Where is that guy? Oh, light it up. There you go. Light it up, baby. We'll see. Okay. I think they could use more crayon. It's orange heavy. It's very orange heavy. Yeah. Um, Which
0: I don't dislike. I think orange is generally underrepresented as far as
1: seltzers go, but hard to pull off. And I don't think this... Is a failure. I think it's got a little bit of weird seltzer taste too. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of getting like a weird aftertaste, but but again, yeah, it's not like offensive. I'm gonna give it a "Oh, come truly faithful." I think I'm
0: absolutely right there with you, brother. I'll oh, come truly faithful." It's delivering on the promise of the premise. I guess it's I guess yeah. it's just kind of fine. I agree. A little bit more cran would probably elevate the holidayness of this <laughs> as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's, to me, this tastes like it could just be in you know summer pack three or you know Truly's variety pack like regular variety pack
0: yeah this is fine what does this have to do with the holidays no clue the next one though definitely has something to do with the holidays it's right in the name holiday sangria style I have that one too (laughs) whoever said sangria is for the summer clearly hasn't tried this sweet just a little cinnamony it's a drink that announces I'm a sophisticated adult who knows how to appropriate wrap a gift even if you can't but we won't tell and then I think you have it by you. What's it the say there on the can? Serve
1: cold, get warm. I like that. It's a red can. I like that the cans are yeah. fully colored. I like that too. You don't always get it. Now what I'll say? Definitely more holiday than the last. You
0: think? Get cinnamon in there. I, I think so. Another okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't know. Is this bad? I don't think so. Is it good? I'm not sure. I don't think it's bad. This might be the first time I ever fucking say this, but I almost wish there was a little bit more wine flavor to differentiate this from. To me, it tastes like a cinnamon stick tossed into fruit punch. 100% that's what it is. Which, like, it's not a bad flavor, but it's not really, like, what they were going for. Do you think that's what they did, though? They do make the fruit punch truly... Like add maybe some they cinnamon just like flavor add to it. some cinnamon, and add some it a cinnamon flavor to it and then like make sure cinnamon's in the copies so Done. people can tell how, why it's differentiated open and shut case yeah I mean again it's not bad I think this is a oh come truly faithful for me as well yeah um, I like I know we always talk about promise of the premise though and I don't know that this one actually hits
0: yeah I'm right there with you oh come truly faithful I could slam a bunch of those yeah, I will forget immediately after
1: mm-hmm.
0: Like that's that's what it comes down to. And I think that's usually like what our threes account yeah, for. They're just like they're fine. Nothing special. All right. We got a new one coming up here.
1: Barry Bramble style. You want to uh, go ahead and read that copy, Griff? Yeah. Inspired by our best-selling cocktail at our innovation hub, Truly L.A., Barry Bramble is kind of like if you muddled up everything we love about the holidays and put it in one delicious drink. Mmm, festive. All right. So, so far, I am loving all of this copy. Like I said earlier, it's bad good.
0: I did look up Truly LA online. Mm-hmm. This is a place that you can go and get, like, in attendance only flavors of Truly, and they make Truly
1: cocktails with their Trulys. And uh, we should take a work trip out there. So, Truly LA, I'm assuming it's yeah. just in LA. It's like a. Yeah, it's like their. I like the Taco Bell text Kitchen is yeah, it's probably like, pop-up like their. Bar or yeah, whatever. kind of. Huh. Yeah. Oh, they should hire us there. Right. We should be regulars there. They'd they'd learn something. Rate these a little higher,
0: maybe, and they will. This can says sip in style. Probably a play on the fact that they threw style at the end of this for no reason. Yeah, Why why did two of them have style at the end? If you go on the Truly LA website, virtually all of the flavors have style on the end of them, and I don't know why.
1: But, like, two of these don't, right? Pear Martini doesn't, and Karen Orange Sparkler doesn't. Maybe it's the ones that aren't directly named after, like, a cocktail. Like, I think a sparkler is a cocktail, and, like, a martini is a cocktail. Oh, okay. Hmm. Uh, My initial reaction is just, huh? Yeah, I don't know why you get rid of pomegranate for that. Yeah, that's a confusing flavor. Like, really best-selling at their test kitchen? I mean, I'm getting the, like, I'm getting the blackberry, I guess.
0: The fuck does this have to do with the
1: holidays? I don't know. Like it, it's which holiday? It's really damn close to their regular berry thing. It probably is. Like what? What's the distinctive flavor in this? I truly don't know, man. That's weird. It's like the same berries at the fucking top. Yeah. as the one you get in the multi pack too. Let's put some holly berries on there or something. You know? I don't. I don't know. Again, like I think if you're gonna go berry, like cranberry is probably the more holiday berry. Yeah. And they already like really Diluted the cranberry in that one
0: I don't know man here's the deal This one was kind of funky for me I don't think it delivers on the promise Of the premise I think the flavors Rather confusing Yeah I'm throwing a truly bells On there it's seltzer time on this Podcast
1: <sighs> Yeah You know I see where you went With that I could definitely drink It though Hmm. And usually I save like ones and twos for stuff that I'm like, wow, this is like, either I can drink it and it's going to give me a headache or like, holy shit, this is neither of those. It's just confusing. So I'll probably just give it a, go come truly faithful as well.
0: Yeah. For me, what dropped down into two is it's incomprehensible to me what this has to do with the holidays. (laughs) If this was not a holiday pack, I'd be like, all right, sure, fine, fucking whatever. But I got a lot of high hopes for this one down here. Truly pear martini style. I'm going to read the copy. We all love a pear martini. So sophisticated. But let's be real. More than one of them and the ornaments on the tree start spinning. Our pear martini style hard seltzer delivers all that delicious festive flavor with a respectable 5% alcohol by volume for a more refreshing version of this cocktail. In other words, it's a win-win.
1: I'm probably going to be like... Biased on this one because I don't think I've had a pear martini. Neither have I. But I do think pear is an underrepresented flavor. There's a little booziness on the back end. Yeah. Can't tell if that's intentional or not. It tastes like a pear, but it doesn't kind of have that syrupiness of like canned pears, which I prefer it didn't. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, pear doesn't get done all the time. I think this is the best one in the pack, in my opinion. Uh, I'm going to give it a truly having a wonderful Christmas time. You are? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I think this... um Although, although... Hold on. I will say, I don't fucking know why pear martinis are a Christmas thing either. Thank you! Like I, I really don't, aside from the holiday sangria, which I can kind of get, mm-hmm. like, the rest of them don't speak holiday to me. They just speak like, this is flavor pack four.
0: Yeah, a flavor pack that doesn't scream summer is what this is Mm -hmm. and it's not even doing that good of a job of not screaming summer that blackberry
1: one could just be in the berry one cran orange also the same thing. the only way it's not screaming summer is by not being like overly citrus heavy i think
0: yeah i'm not gonna go up to the four i'm gonna stick at the three oh come truly faithful because this is different and i gotta give it points for that but again it's not fulfilling the purpose of the premise and I think it's just fine. I think if there were more pears out there, this would not stand out unless the rest of the pairs were trash. Like this would just be a fine seltzer. Like the rest of these in this pack, this is forgettable as shit. Like mm-hmm. all of these
1: are. Which is a but shame because the- I think the ones they took out both had more holiday appeal, like the, the spiked apple spice. Boom. Yeah, that speaks like at least fall to Christmas to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the pomegranate ginger fizz kind of worked in that it was, like, the almost ginger ale stuff, like, I feel like works for the holidays as well.
0: Yeah. But. All right. Well, let's go ahead and break these up here. You were definitely higher on the pear, so go ahead and take the pear. I'm taking
1: pear. You can take whatever ones you want, as long as I get pear.
0: Uh, let me get that sangria, play around with the cinnamon, get festive in here, and then, I don't know. Blackberry's close to you. You can have it. Sure, <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. I was going to say, you, you rated Blackberry worst at least. Yeah. So I think this works out here. Last question for you. How hard would it be for you to get to sleep on Christmas Eve if you knew Santa was going to leave this pack under your tree?
1: Not very. <laughs>
0: right. Like- I don't know. This would be a pretty forgettable gift. I think for me, the opposite ends of the spectrum is if this pack was dog shit, I wouldn't be able to sleep because I'd be anxious about having to drink it. And if it was really good, I wouldn't be able to sleep because I would be excited to drink it. I'm
1: sleeping like a baby. uh, Yeah, I'm going right to bed. That's fine. (laughs) Which is fine. I think this year is, I could be wrong. I could be proven wrong. I haven't looked around in the store much. I think this year is rather weak. For holiday packs in general. It's
0: terrible. It is awful. we me not even think having anything. We didn't even review the apple slices on this podcast. Apple we just slices were time. dog shit.
1: We should do them on the podcast. We, we yeah, we should. It. But it makes me think, and I have no insight into like any of these guys' sales numbers, but it makes me think that the Christmas forward packs didn't sell very well. You're probably right. Because like that one that one like ugly sweater pack that was really bad. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine people bought more than one of those. I think yeah,
0: I think you're right. I think they they may not have sold well or they sold okay and then probably dropped like a rock after Christmas. Like, no yeah, one wants like yeah. toasted marshmallow on
1: January 3rd or whatever. Fuck that. I'm trying to think like what would be, maybe truly has a good strategy mm-hmm. in that it's like, you can call this a holiday pack, but really, it's just a flavor pack that's a little bit more palatable in the winter time than your summer packs are. I agree with that. You
0: are likely correct, and it makes me furious because I want the weird bullshit.
1: Right, and that's right. why I was mad that Bud Light didn't do something this year. You want the weird bullshit, mm-hmm. but maybe this is a better sales move. It is, is yeah. which is why yeah. you know, which is why we're not seeing the weird shit this year. Mm-hmm. Is just my theory. I think.
0: Despite the fact that we don't have any wild holiday packs this year, this was a pretty strong year for seltzers. We were never, ever hurting to get a pack on this show.
1: We had yeah, I mean, it was kind of every wild. Two weeks. Yeah, every two weeks we had a new pack, and we probably mm-hmm. could have filled with more packs. There's stuff we didn't even get to. Mm-hmm. There's like Mike's Hard did
0: a, a lemonade seltzer pack, not a, a hard lemonade, like. Lemonade seltzers. We didn't get to that. We didn't do apple slices. We'll do them soon. We didn't do the cocktail pack from Bud Light until deep into fall. Yeah, that came out in like May. Mm-hmm. So it has been a very strong year for seltzers this very weak winter season.
1: I just think there's also been a lot of companies that came out of the woodwork for summer, mm-hmm. like seltzer season. Yeah, that aren't big enough to do a winter pack. Yeah, you don't have an Alani winter pack. Right, there's you no don't Alani have like winter, a pack. winter pack. Bang winter pack Yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't know if
0: we'll ever have Bang Seltzers again. I still see the hard tease. I should buy them up now. Yeah, buy as many as you can. Yeah. Keep the dream alive. All right. Well, as we close out this review, lamenting over the potential death of our favorite company in the world, Bang Energy, let's talk about the lesser death fight in episode 227. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Rough one. It was a tough fight. so I'm going to give a very quick play-by-play because we do got a lot we need to get to towards the back half of this episode. And then is going to talk maybe about some of the context of this monster, what he did to it, why is it there, all that fun stuff. So we basically spend an entire episode leading into this one pre-buffing. Mm-hmm. Of course, we had lots of role play. We had some healing and stuff that had to get done. But a big chunk of 226 was just, oh, what might lesser death be good at that we can counter? So we're throwing out death wards. We're throwing out false life. We're throwing out this, that, the other thing. We are ready to go pretty much as ready as we could be until the combat kicks off and the creature flies. So immediately you got a couple of us that need to counter that. Matumbe's got to buff up other people need to click on their flight options because you don't want to waste them going into this. You don't know what this creature is going to do. I'm not ready for flight and misfortunes in play. Yeah. So I'm sure this is something we're going to talk about extensively when we get to the the stat block, but this is a really, really good way for the creature to give itself crazy survivability. Yeah. Yeah. Besides that, we have the creature taking a D six of persistent fire Eclipse goes down to the creature. I think it was hit point damage. Am I right on that, Griff? Do you remember? Ooh. I'm fairly confident. I believe, it was. I believe it was. So those brutal, brutal scythe attacks, but brought back up with a heal with a capital H from Lyra. The creature teleports behind the party,
1: floating right behind Durin Rook. It actually didn't teleport. Well, it had uh, 90 feet of speed and it moved oh. through the guard tower. Yeah. Oh, I, okay. I just wanted to put yeah. that out there cuz you'll notice in its stat block, it doesn't have any like teleport mm-hmm. abilities. It just moved on the map and I was stressed, so it's just like, oh, fucking, <laughs> oh, God, oh God, I fucking, dimension door or something. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, so okay, it moves around the party, slides up behind Durant, Perma kills him with a finger of death, boom, dead. I'm distraught. And then Tulia almost gets the second half of that turn cuz the touch was very quick and then he was able to focus fire on her. Doesn't get her down though. Very glad. We continue to to fight Matumbe and the Lopper have this thing boxed in because we're both large. Matumbe gets killed via hit point damage on a crit from that scythe times four. Absolutely brutal. Air Bear takes him down. Uska and Lyra, combo breath of life. Matumbe back up. And the episode ends with the tattoos on his arm changing to say, not this year, not yet. We got a dead Durn on the ground. We have our party trying to figure out what we're going to do with that and credits roll. And I think that's current because this episode will drop after 227, before 228. So that's all I can say to it. Poof.
1: Yeah. Rough times. Tough guy, you know, in its base form is a CR 16 creature. I only made a couple modifications to the stat block, which I'll talk about, but most of those are, you know, I alluded to it has mm-hmm. some items on it that it gathered from other people so some of those were aiding the creature beyond its normal AC for instance but normally the creature has its you know usual dark vision see invisibility status sight which lets it kind of like see everybody based off of how they're mm-hmm. whether they're alive what health they're at exactly etc it's got the <laughs> misfortune aura out to 20 feet so when a living creature attempts an ability check, attack, roll, caster level check, skill check, or saving throw within that aura, it must roll 2d20s and take the lowest roll before applying any modifiers. So it's really tough because it targets almost every roll you make, mm-hmm. which was why the creature like moved up to you guys before it tried to like finger of death. So you're basically taking disadvantage on saves. Yeah. Awful. Yeah. It's got a constant haste and air walk on. So its normal speed is sixty feet, but then with the haste, it's ninety, 90. which allowed it to kind of get around you. It's got twenty-seven spell resistance, so that's what you guys were kind of like butting up against. That whole fight was you wanted to, the attacks were tough because of uh-huh. the misfortune, and then the the spells were tough because it had all that spell resistance on. So
0: so we're thirteen. So unless you have spell penetration feats or whatever. You're at, re- you're at least got to roll a 14 on the die to punch through
1: that. Mm-hmm. Tough. Yeah. Yeah. So, as we saw, like, Tulia could do it, but Haley was using the Arcanist, like, increase my caster level mm-hmm. or, you know, that kind of stuff, which is a trade off because she can often use that to, like, make the DC harder. Oh, yeah. Or, like, you know, do other effects with it. So, it's definitely a trade off because this thing also has great saves. Let's see what order it saves so before before you factor in the fact that it's in a desecrate aura which benefits it and benefits it saves it's got a plus 17 fortitude plus 19 reflex plus 20 will with channel resistance on top of that at plus four it's normal ac is 31 with a touch at 21 and it's normal hit points are 276 which i don't believe i modified I don't need to. That's a lot. <laughs> no, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of hit points, yeah, especially when you guys can't hit. Mm-hmm. It's plus two keen scythe because it's constantly hasted. It's got, like, one, two, three, four, five attacks on a full attack. Plus 30, plus 30, plus 25, plus 20, plus 15. I think you answered this question beforehand, but I just want to clarify. Those are all scythe attacks. That's
0: not, like, two scythe. and no, like, no, that's, that's like, all
1: yeah. with its scythe. Yeah. Jesus. So the scythe itself is... He's got a ton of like those critical, like the critical focus, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he crits on a 19 to 20, obviously a 4X crit, but without his power attack on, it's 2d4 plus 14 on a hit, which isn't a ton, but the power attack took that up to like plus 30, something ridiculous. And he's got some spell likes. So this is one thing that I changed in here, basically because you guys are a party of eight and I knew you weren't gonna take any of the energy drain which every time he hits, by the way, mm-hmm. two negative levels. If you guys didn't have that death ward on, how many times did he hit? You said five around? You can hit five. Yeah, if you full attacks, so so you can if, hit If five he hits, times. yeah, every time, 10 negative levels right there. Yeah. Some of those like energy drain things have the rider that like it can only proc once around. This mm-hmm. does not have that rider. Cool. Uh, <laughs> so he's got, so th- this is what I changed a little bit his spell like abilities. He's got Call Spirit, Slay Living, Finger of Death, and Plane Shift. Normally, the Finger of Death is once per day. I made it three times per day with a once per day option to use it swift. So, basically, gave him the Quicken Spell-like ability feat, which is a monster-specific feat. Well, I think you could take it. You could take it as a race, but most people don't have, like, a Spell-like ability that's worth using a feat to, like, Quicken it. Mm -hmm. Most races don't, but obviously it was worth it for him to have one use of the of the quicken one which was how he got durin and then tulia in oh, that, yeah. in that round i mean beyond that guy's got like 27 strength which was boosted by the belt then mm-hmm. to like a 31 which you know you guys will hear about this belt in a little bit sorry <laughs> Um, he's got thirty do, decks. Do you, do you care if I cut that? Probably not. Right? Not really. Yeah. He had because He had a bell. We yeah. we knew he had a lot of stuff. Thirty on. decks, uh, fifteen intelligence, twenty three wisdom, and twenty four charisma. So he's got he's got critical focus, dazing assault, furious focus. Furious focus lets him like ignore the power attack penalty on his first attack. Nice. Great fortitude, improved initiative. His initiative was plus sixteen. Okay. Power attack, but then he had. Staggering critical, step up, stunning critical, tiring critical, weapon focus scythe. So basically, like, had Matumbe survived that, had it had the crit not been the last attack, and had it mm-hmm. been the first attack, you would have had to make a DC twenty nine Fortitude save, or be stunned for a D four rounds. Ooh. If you saved, you would be staggered for that many rounds. Still bad. Still
0: bad. <laughs> yeah. If I save, I would not have with stalwarts.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Anybody would. Matumbe excluded. Yeah, yeah. Matumbe excluded. He just dies. (laughs) Yeah, Matumbe excluded. But yeah, anybody else that gets hurt by that thing. But yeah, I mean, as we saw, that crit don't like 130-some damage. Unbelievable. You know, a scythe is no joke, but it's just like... I mean, it's it's a raw deal to get that on, like, the fourth attack, you know? Yeah. That that sucks. But that's kind of why I was like... (laughs) Alright, I'm going to be a little lenient on this interpretation of Breath of Life because I think it's totally fair if they could both get to him in a turn to be able to, like, you know, take somebody up.
0: Yeah, I don't know the exact ruling on that, and we haven't, like, I don't think we ever figured it out. I couldn't find
1: anything that was like, hey, yeah, multiple castings can continue to bring you up, or if it was like, one has to do it. There was nothing explicit that said that we couldn't do it, and it feels
0: kind of rules as intended. You're trying to breathe life back into somebody before they pass on. I mean, that's the crux of the spell, right? Get them back up before their next turn. And it took two blasts of it, but we fulfilled what the spell was trying to do.
1: I think it's a significantly niche scenario where you have two people that are able to cast it and also within range of you to do it. in The same turn. And it's niche enough for me to, you know, if that's not how it works, I'm okay with it working that way. Mm -hmm. Because let's be real the only thing that would have done is just okay, Matumbe comes back with two negative levels instead of one, and then you guys heal that. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit more of a resource strain than it would be, but
0: I mean, that's kind of where we are. And we haven't been, I mean, we've we've been treating a lot of these deaths with respect, right? But not the same amount of gravitas as if, like, Matumbe got killed in episode 40, or Eclipse died in episode 80. It's like well, we're at the level where you can pull someone back from the brink and get right back up and start swinging again. So, yeah, yeah, there we are.
1: So that was that fight. I I thought it was a lot of fun. I mean, I was glad we got through it in one episode because it wasn't a shitload of enemies. It was just one thing you all had to beat down on. Yeah. But I think it gave you guys enough of a hard time that it was like a really tense fight. So let's talk about this from a little bit of a higher level then. Because there's eight PCs
0: here, You're scaling up threats to that level, essentially. We've talked a little bit on air about how that giant two-episode combat with many different combatants basically is all of the outside encounters combined into one. Mm -hmm. That's something that the listeners haven't heard, but fuck it, whatever you heard it now. This clearly is a creature that would whip the shit out of four level 13 PCs. So, was this a creature that was in the book and with some drawbacks or conditionals or something you added
1: in what's up so it wasn't here in the adventure mm-hmm. but death and lesser death were statted for the first time in this book oh back matter in the back matter oh of there this you book. go okay now they weren't stated the same as mm-hmm. they are now sure because they were called grim reapers and i <laughs> think paizo like couldn't Use that again because when they put them <laughs> in a bestiary, they were no, they were death and lesser yeah. death. So there was a Grim Reaper that was CR20, and then there was a lesser Grim Reaper that was like CR10. And so I was like, Well, CR10 obviously doesn't work, and I'm not going to throw CR20 at them. But then I, w- when I went to look up the Grim Reaper stuff, it didn't show up anywhere, it wasn't on like D20, it wasn't on Nethys, and it was all the death, it was like lesser death and death. Uh-huh. And death had the same stat block. So they must have just changed lesser death. And then I saw that and I was like, okay, that's, you know, CR 16. That should be a decent challenge for, you know, this group of eight level 13s. I'm surprised. That's more of an interesting answer than I expected for that question. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I am really tweaking this book because Mm -hmm. for at least a large portion of it, there's going to be eight of you. Mm -hmm. And obviously that makes combats. (laughs) Bigger, more complicated, but it also means you guys have twice the resources, twice the frontliners now, you know, so things need to scale up for you guys not to cakewalk this. Yeah. So I think, you know, as the listeners listen to the next couple of episodes, like that stuff's not in the book either.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So that was my last question before we move on to other stuff is for those of our listeners who maybe have ran this book or have played in this book or just have read the book, they know what's up with Ren Church? they know what to expect, or do they? What should people
1: be expecting as we go into this big-ass dungeon crawl? Expect some similar set pieces, especially the big ones, but expect some just completely swapped out creatures where I thought it was thematically appropriate to put something else in, and then expect those things that you have seen to be far stronger than their original intent. I think there's like I mean, there's like supposed to be like challenges for you guys that are like a level 14, you know, sorcerer or something. And it's like, that's just not going to do anything for this party. Yeah. If it's all eight of you. So just expect like the things that are staying to be beefed up and the things that I change to be changed appropriately to deal with an eight person party when they have to rock and roll. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Geez,
0: I think we've, only recorded as of this recording 228 and uh pedal don't get let off the gas i mean we've done 229 as well i can't remember i think we've done two doesn't fucking matter but it keeps going guys it is uh hey don't get any easier let me tell you no <laughs> all right man well i think that probably wraps up everything that we want to talk about with death in this episode right yeah i think so great well, let's get into questions usually we'll just pick or choose a couple From our listeners, but like I said earlier on, we're going to hit the high-level ones. So these are things we've seen a million times on Discord and private messages and in conversations we've had in person. We're getting them all out on the table here. Griff, you want to kick us off here? First question I have written down, will you ever put out 1E content again?
1: Yeah, I can answer this one. The only place that it will be put out is Link Legacy. So, Mm -hmm. and (laughs) for those of you that are paying attention... The plan for Linked Legacy is to play through all of Crown of the Cobalt King in 2E. Yeah. So there won't be any 1E content soon. That will be for a very long time. And also, the rider on that is
0: what if we get to the end of Crown of the Cobalt King and found something awesome else that we want to play in 2E or a different system or something? This, what Griffin's saying is we're not promising to go to 1E after Cobalt King.
1: Yeah. So, but,
0: but if we were
1: to do 1E, that's where you would find yeah, it. Yeah. So that will be the only place that oneie content will be if it ends up happening, I would say don't expect it. Mm-hmm. And I would say, like, I mean geez, they shout us out all the time. Like, our friends over at Find the Path, their next adventure is oney So if yes, you, it's like great. if you're a diehard oney person, their thing that they're doing after Mommy's Mask is also going to be 1e so just because we're moving to 1e doesn't mean there won't be any 1e content out there Mm -hmm. and there's other podcasts out there that are you know in book 2 of their 1e adventures and stuff so even though we're moving our adventure content to 2e doesn't mean you can't find stuff out there
0: yeah that's probably all we have to say on that this next question is pretty much arm in arm in that will you ever play Starfinder or other systems
1: uh, again i don't think for a full-fledged adventure mm-hmm. we will but i'm playing starfinder right now on stf and friends you know steve has played on there as well uh we play in hideous tomfoolery need to record. yeah so like we are in starfinder content we're just not actively making it could it show up in link legacy of course if there's a good module for it and we feel like we want to play that yeah And same goes for other systems. Like, if we really want to do a stint in, you know... The Alien RPG or fucking, I don't know, Cyberpunk. That's a possibility. Yeah, Link Legacy is the show for that, though. Mm -hmm. Like, And there's not going to be another show that's starting to delve into any of that stuff. Correct.
0: All right, this next one I will take. This is, when will Steve run Serpent Skull? So... I have mentioned several times on this Zone of Truth, and it's maybe even bled into other things that we've recorded that I really, really want to run this adventure. And for a while, we were sort of talking about maybe making that a reality in some way, shape or form. But the long and short of it is this. I love playing Pathfinder. I am, I would consider a pretty decent player of Pathfinder when I had the opportunity to GM really for the first time for that no response from deep Mar module, I enjoyed that. And I am very proud of what I put together and very excited for the way that people reacted to it. And people had so many good things to say. It was great. It stressed me the fuck out. It made me so anxious all the time. I was stressed the entire time. And, um, i don't know i don't want to do that i don't want that like i don't know it's not good for my mental health i would much rather be a player in everything i am comfortable and confident as a player and you know some people really are good at GMing and want to do it all the time i'm kind of good at it and don't want to do it so that's the answer to that question Uh, i apologize to the people that were getting really excited for that but
1: I just don't think it's going to be a good fit for me. So that's yeah. the answer to that question, which is, you know why we announced if you listened to the whole thing last time, that there would probably be some serpent skull content in yeah. our skulls and shackles run.
0: Yeah. Cause we still want it. There's some good stuff in there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, the next question is, will you guys run X adventure? Griff? Yeah.
1: So I'm going to take this. What? what uh, first of all, what does this mean? Like, It's a blanket question that I'm putting in here because I get DM'd a bazillion times like, hey, we guys run Tyrant's Grass. Will you guys, you know, are you guys going to run blah, blah, blah? And not as like a next adventure thing, but as like another show thing. Mm -hmm. So I just want to like clear the air. We are running three Adventure Paths next year, and we're doing Linked Legacy, Mm -hmm. and we're doing this show. Yeah. We're not like, on their trajectory, or even trying to be something like what most of you know, like the Glass Cannon Network mm-hmm. is a network of, you know, 10 shows. That's not us. And the size of the group of people we do have can support no more shows. Yeah. Past that. We, we've kind of like contingencyed out hey, we can do th- these three adventures and Link Legacy. Yes, some of those shows have the potential to go weekly as our goals increase, but (laughs) we do not have the capacity to play any more than that.
0: Yes. What separates us from them is that none of us are doing this full time and we're not hiring five or ten more people to join our cast. Yeah. Not happening. So we are basically at the extent of what we can do right now. We have our goal to make Bestow Curse Weekly, which we are ready for if and when that happens, but uh, please don't ask us to do more stuff. We would love to, but it's not happening.
1: Yeah, I think what I will tack on to this one is another question that I get a lot, which is like, what's it going to take for you to go full-time? And uh, I just kind of want to clear the air here. Like Everyone on our show, everyone on our network has a career. It's not like we have jobs that we don't enjoy. We all have like pretty fulfilling careers. Yeah. And we're all pretty senior in our careers at this point in our lives. So not only would it take a lot of money just to break even going, you know, full time on this network, but I mean, we're all like entering that stage in our lives where like, this would have to be a lot more stable than it currently is. Yeah. To even consider that. Like we see, (laughs) we see 10% swings in the patreon at a month-to-month level like i couldn't in good conscience, like right now enter into something like that where my salary might jump around erratically and i just don't think right now we're anywhere near the size we would have to be for that to happen because it would have to have it have to have two components it would have to be enough to make me whole because I'm the only one that the network has ever ever considered making full time. Mm -hmm. It'd have to be enough to make me whole and it'd have to be enough to make me feel comfortable quitting my career for. So those two things mean that's a really high barrier to entry.
0: Yeah. This is one of those where never say never, but don't hold your breath. Yeah. Yeah. Don't Don't, don't, don't (laughs) even start thinking about holding your breath.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So. I mean, it's an amazing, like, dream, like, pipe dream, (laughs) pretty much. It's just not something that our trajectory in any way supports is going to happen. Yeah.
0: All right, next question. Can I be slash can you have X person on the show? Good question. I think generally, uh, this is going to sound harsh, generally the answer is no. If you're trying to come (laughs) on Zone of Truth and are a content creator, someone that wants to share awesome stuff, we are looking to expand that. And similarly with linked legacy, we're looking to have some people from the pies maybe join our cast and share their talents and have fun with us. But we're well, not like doing a show. It's like, no, <laughs> yeah, we're not doing open casting for anything. We're not looking to add anything to our
1: repertoire right now. Um, well, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's another thing where I think it like kind of differentiates what we're doing from like what a, real network is doing like the core of our shows is still always going to be like we've all been playing together for multiple multiple years mm-hmm. even when we bring tim on like he's run us through a full adventure path like that's before even you guys played Rune Lords with him like it's, it, all these people that are on the show currently are people we have years and years of experience with as friends and as you know tim players bright-eyed and
0: bushy-tailed to the network someone I knew when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. Yeah, uh, you know, with those two exceptions, n- no, but yeah, I mean, there, there's opportunity for you guys to share stuff if you want to share them with us, but yeah, we're not we're not growing in the way Griff mentioned, so that's probably all there is to say about that. Um, let's see. Next we have, when will Emily slash Brooks run Linked Legacy? Good question.
1: Yeah, I think this is Fairly similar to what you said about Serpent Skull. Like, not everyone in our network really, or in our in our friend group, really has to be a GM. And yeah. I don't really feel like I'm speaking for either of them when I say that they really haven't expressed interest in in running anything. And that's completely okay, you know. Yeah, we've had four GMs rotate on Link Legacy so far, and we're not forcing anyone to do it if they don't want to do it and I think Brooks and Emily are fantastic players but in the same vein as what you were saying about Serpent Skull like far more comfortable as players mm-hmm. what I'm saying is I don't really think they will and I don't think that I've gotten
0: the like hey I really want to do the next thing from either of them and Exactly. That's fine. Yeah. fine alright next question why isn't X person on Y show so why isn't Brooks on Bestow Curse why isn't Chris folded into
1: mainline HLP that type of stuff yeah you know when Link Legacy goes forward where are the Campbell's you know mm-hmm. we get this question a lot and I think it oftentimes devolves into like oh well they're not as good of friends as we thought they were like oh you know they're, they're no. a problem on Stop like, that that shit. That's, none of that is it's purely like time commitment and casting and it's different for everybody you know and it's just kind of playing off of my last response, which is, we don't want to make anyone do anything that they don't want to do. Mm -hmm. Some of us have more interests outside of TTRPGs than others of us. And I think, it. you know, yes, we have the whole network on, like, or the whole core network on the next iteration of Hideous Laughter for, you know, Skulls and Shackles, but we're not going to have everybody on another show. Like the, another show's not going to have all of the core cast and Chris on it. It's mm-hmm. just, we have too much stuff in the air to do that. And we don't all have the same schedule availability. Mm-hmm. We all have very different jobs. Brooks and Emily
0: have moved away. And you know, I, I might be reading into it a little bit too, but they moved back home. They're like living close ish to both of their families and old friends and stuff. Like, my family don't live in Columbus. Yours doesn't. So Mm -hmm. like we do, by virtue of only having family stuff a couple times a year and friends outside of Columbus stuff only a couple times a year, have a lot more social time we can dedicate to this. Right. Yeah. All right. That probably wraps that up. We got a few more here. Uh, When will we get another Slurp episode? 269. And that's it. If we hit 269, I'm doing a Slurp episode. If we don't hit 269 tough luck this goes right into the next question what happened to the slurp it was a bit that I thought was really funny when we started the show then realized it turned some folks off and we had to do a little bit of backtracking for that and it's been four years people change in four years don't really find it funny anymore right and
1: honestly it's just like edited out of the first 30 episodes or right you know, it, we still do the little, like, Alexa says slurp or whatever, but uh, for those of you that have been with us for a long time, like, pre-episode 100, and you listened to us, you know, that, that was in there, and then you probably heard, like, oh, what do you mean, Team Slurp? There's no, sl-, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. we, cu- we cut it out. Yeah. <laughs> if you do a re-listen, it's not in there. Honestly, like, I still like the idea of, like, a Team Slurp and Team No Slurp. Me and, too, and, of and, course. Like, They're still in there, like... When Steve starts giving warnings and stuff, but I think like cumulatively across the podcast there might be like f- fifteen or twenty slurps left when there were like a hundred. Yeah, there are a lot. <laughs> so it's just there's a lot less, and I think I think that goes hand in hand with what we're doing with season two, which is we're you know moving even a little bit further away from the alcohol stuff because. Again, that kind of needlessly turns some people off and that's not like a huge focus of our show. Yeah, it's a real bummer to me
0: when I hear that something like that, the the slurp or us drinking on air or something, prevents somebody from enjoying our show because that's not what the show's about. Like, It's, it's about us having fun at a table and telling cool stories and making awesome characters. And I really hate that something like that gets in the way. I'm absolutely not blaming those people for not enjoying the show because of the, that that type of thing. If it was not my thing, it would probably turn me off too. I've quit plenty of podcasts that I've listened to because of weird stuff that I thought was like specific to me or whatever. But it just comes down to like the core of the show is us playing Pathfinder as friends. It's we were just taking an emphasis off of the stuff that is less accessible to people. I don't
1: know. Yeah, I mean, I think even with Bestow Curse, like. We're not doing that for HLP where we're making it like a little more family friendly, but we've, we've taken steps in that direction on other shows just again to like remove a barrier to entry for some people. I think we kind of want to like be able to curse our mouths off for the pirate AP, but but the point still stands. Like we want the reason you turn our show off to be that you don't like high quality Pathfinder play. That's fine with me. You can stop listening if that's what you hate. Yes.
0: All right, couple more here. Can I use your character build or character as an NPC in my home game? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, get, we go for it. Weirdly get this question all the time. I would love to hear all about that. If you want to do your own take on the Inquisivestigator or have Saw be a background NPC in your home game, by all means do that stuff. If you do... I'd love to hear about it, but like, I'm not looking over your shoulder. So if you don't, I don't care. But we get that question every now and again. It's like, yeah, I love the fact that you enjoy us enough to play with the tools that we've
1: created. Of course. Yeah. I kind of want to pop this one into another one really quick. Just, I, I didn't put it on here because it's not a question that I like get annoyed by repeat having to answer, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't really think this one is that vague no, either. It's no. like, but the answer always yes. So we may as well say it. But by the same token, like, if there's any cool homebrew or something i changed that I did that you thought was cool in one of these APs, feel free to shamelessly steal it. Yeah. Like, and the only reason I didn't put that on here is because a lot of the times, if you want to ask me for clarification on what I did, I'm pretty open about it. Mm-hmm. So, like. I, and, I, and it doesn't annoy me if you if you want to ask about that stuff. So maybe like don't profit off of it. But well, yeah, don't, <laughs> don't use it on your like Carrying Crown podcast or whatever. <laughs> but like, yeah, you know, if you're doing it for your home game or or whatever, and you want to use any of that stuff, feel free.
0: Hey, uh, I'm playing Carrying Crown, and we want to go to Abaddon. All right, who gives a shit? Do it. That's fine. Um, okay. This is a question that's similar to a couple that we've answered already and similar in vain to what we just had before. But can you join my home game? We've gotten questions from, you know, several different people, um, whether that's Griffin, myself or the rest of the folks on the network. Hey, I'm starting a X Adventure Path game. Uh, it's all going to be remote. Do you want to join? I mean, the answer is always, y- yeah, sure. I want to play more Pathfinder, but please do not get offended. no.
1: Yeah, please. We just, we just can't, and 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 stop asking us because I don't want to feel bad. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I do feel bad every time I have to say no to one of those because mm-hmm. it, you know, it is really nice and kind that it's you flattering. think of us and want to play yeah. with us, but uh, we we don't have time to do that. I mean, definitely for these like con things and these like one shot things, mm-hmm. like I, I'm way more about that. But oh, I, yeah. you know, I'm not. I'm not a. I can't like play in your. Bobby's mask game or your rise the Rollers game or you know i can't i can't even really guest on that kind of stuff
0: yeah if it's hey i'm in a table for stf con i love your show are you doing stf con do you want to hop in my table that's something i'd consider if it's yeah you're like hey i'm about to start book one of a six book ap you want to hop in i really don't have time yeah so Please never take offense when we say no, and don't take it personally. It's just similar to, to a lot of the ways that we answered a lot of these questions. We're very, very busy people. All right, home stretch here. Why don't we see pictures of Jasper in the Discord anymore? If you all remember, about a year ago, I adopted a kitten for a hot second. So the reason you don't see pictures anymore is because I'm going to try and make this very long story short. The story of me and Jasper is that that cat was found by a friend of mine at work under an engine block in a parking lot in the middle of the cold winter. And she was taking care of it, but she is very allergic to cats. So I was like, "Ah, I'm kind of a cat guy. I'm living by myself. I will try and raise this cat myself. So I take him in, fall in love with the little dude. He is super super aggressive and at the time I've since moved but I was living in a very small apartment and basically I you know looked up a million things online hey kitten super aggressive always is biting the shit out of my feet and hands and like really really will never stop and ended up going to the vet and stuff and I did everything that I was supposed to and once we ran through a very extensive list of different behavior changing things and in toy enrichment and all sorts of different stuff the vet just told me straight out steve because of the story you've told me i have reason to believe this cat was separated so so young from its mother and its litter and was not raised the way it should have been it needs cats to teach it how to be a cat and so i was like damn okay effectively what the vet told me was this cat is going to always behave this way unless it has more cats and again living in like an 800 square foot apartment i can't bring more cats into that situation so i got in touch with a foster organization that is local to the suburb that i live in and they were able to take jasper in they got him into a foster home he never saw a shelter but went to a foster home where this foster parent took him in He was living with several other cats for a few months and then found his forever home. And the foster has since sent me a whole bunch of pictures and is raving about how he's very well behaved and he's super happy. The house has cats and a dog and a couple young kids that are in love with this guy. So it was honestly a little tough for me for a while because it was something that I really, really, really wanted to work. And I just didn't have the tools to make that possible. So it was a sad story that has a very, very happy ending. I promise he's very happy and it worked out. So I get that question here and again, done with that now. Yeah. Hope it you- always
1: feels like we
0: have to, like, you know, kind of awkward. I don't know. Um, Cause I was very excited about it for a while. And you know, it just is what it is. Final question of the night. Um, where can I find Steve's only fans? Pretty simple, guys. At Phrasma Saves. Um, Let's see. Griff, do we have any listener questions? Do we want to hit here? Maybe we just do one to close it out. How does that sound? Sure. That's good with me. All right. Finder of Paths and Stars. This is a dumb question that I'm about to ask. I hope they get to it at some point. You're in luck, buddy. Here we go. Would you rather fight a warehouse or a house-shaped mimic? What's the difference? And warehouse spelled W-E-R-E-H-O-U-S-E.
1: Oh, boy. There's a lot of things that go into that decision. Lots on pack there. I wonder if, like, the warehouse works, like, Pathfinder creature rules, where if it's, like, a natural-born warehouse, it can, like, you know, become a hybrid form whenever it wants. Oh, so, like, the arms are, like, doors and windows and stuff, maybe? The arms are, like, fucking... I mean, it's like a human
0: made out of bricks. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Except hybrid, really big. hybrid form would be tough. Yeah. Also, I, I thought immediately like, Oh, the easy way out is just to attack a warehouse when it's not in house form. Yeah. But if we are talking pathfinder rules, wouldn't it still get the like dr 10 silver? I don't have a silver weapon in my apartment. Yeah. I mean, you have to yeah. find a
1: silver weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I That's think tough. in general, mimics aren't mm-hmm. super intelligent. They're like smart enough to speak, I think, but like, your average human is more intelligent than a mimic. Yeah. Which I think might make the mimic a little easier to deal with, but like a mimic can always be a house mm-hmm. and it can transform into other things that size. I would assume like mimics do. Yeah. Which is a little scary. I don't know. There's a lot to unpack. In Whereas this like this a w- like if it's not a natural born warehouse, if it was just a guy bit by a house, mm-hmm. then what at the full moon, it turns into a, a house. But the rest of the time, it's just a dude.
0: Yeah, again, it's it's what rule set we're playing yeah. in. If it's the general legend, then I would say, yeah, if it's a Pathfinder thing, he could just kind of shift at will, Well, right? it, de-
1: it depends, too, in Pathfinder. Like, if it's an afflicted warehouse, mm, mm. it doesn't get to control that change like a natural warehouse does. Yeah. Whew. Uh But, yeah, what's the difference? I think we just kind of talked about the difference. Like, one's a dude that turns into a house... Mm -hmm. One's a mimic that takes the shape of a house. So the mimic can be a house for however long it wants to be.
0: (sighs) I think the answer for me probably is different depending on if this is a creature I stumble upon naturally in the wild or if this is something I'm set out to fight. Because if that's the case, if I'm sent out to hunt this thing down... I'm probably going after the warehouse cause I can attack him while he's in human form and I can figure out when that's going to happen. If I'm just walking down the street and a house mimic tries to bite my head off, I don't have a
1: fucking chance. Well, I think, yeah, I think the house mimic is much more stealthy about it, right? which is why I would probably rather fight the warehouse. Mm-hmm. I'd rather fight a dude made out of bricks than, you know, happen upon a house where I get stuck to it and then it just eats me.
0: Yeah. I imagine pretty difficult to kill a house-sized creature. Whereas, yeah, like a, a dude made out of bricks, I can figure something out. Yeah,
1: hmm, hmm. I think warehouse is the right answer to kill. Yeah, I, I don't think either one's going to be easy. No, but you gotta pick your battles. Yeah, th- in general, a ware creature would be easier to kill than a mimic that big. I think. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, I think that's the answer then. Warehouse it is. Time for a little wrap up and housekeeping. The only thing I have written here, we kind of promoted a little earlier. Griff, you've been doing a whole lot of guesting on the Redshift Rally season of STF and Friends. There's been a couple live streams on Mondays. I think you all are done with live streaming for the year? For the year, yeah. Mm -hmm. Then we're coming back in January. Sounds good. We'll check that out. That would be on the Strange Table Fellows Twitch.
1: It's now twitch.tv slash stf network. I know it's been they changed their Twitch handle too. Oh, I did not know.
0: Okay, yeah, Yeah.
1: there you go. So if you've been looking for it and couldn't find it.
0: Yep. And uh, if not, and you're a subscriber to the Patreon, you can get the audio only downloads on their feed. But I think that wraps us up for today, Griff. And anything you want to say to the folks at home before we take off?
1: Happy holidays. I think this is the last one before the holidays
0: yes it is whatever you're celebrating enjoy
1: we'll see you soon yeah finish your drinks we'll see you in two weeks
0: later